Good morning, everyone. I'm Todd Jenkins, one of the pastors of First Presbyterian Church here in Fayetteville. And I have with me Tom Bailey and Colin Wakefield, both ruling elders of First Presbyterian Church. And we're here to let you know about and invite everyone to the events taking place next Sunday, May 27th, related to our church's celebration of its 200th year. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Todd. You've been involved with the Church History Committee and have worked with the folks planning all of the bicentennial events this year. Let's talk a little bit about some of the history. Uh, you are familiar with uh, First Presbyterian Church and especially the property. What would you say is the most important thing about its history, at least as you know it? Well, Todd, it is a place, um, that being a building and a site where the building stands, but it's really more than the story of that. It's the story of people and their relationship to each other and their relationship to their God. If I may, uh, Todd, I'll just um, preview the history that's coming out later this year in the form of a book that's okay. um, at the printers, I think, as we speak. Um, this is just a little piece from the preface that uh, has to do with your question about the property. Uh, it says, this history is the story of the people of First Presbyterian Church and their relationship to their God and to each other. They have served him and their fellow man for 200 years by working together on many fronts. As a result, personal bonds of uncommon strength have been forged. As we move into the next stage of our history, we pray that we will find it within us to be true to our friends and thankful for all we have. God has been exceptionally kind to this congregation, and we honor him for it, and this is our testimony. Okay. Uh, let me ask you about the sanctuary. Uh, I know that it was built prior to the war between the states. Uh, was the building involved in any way in that conflict? Well, uh, this was a place at that time that was uh, located, behind, as we say, behind the lines. Uh, this was occupied country. If uh, anyone has seen the movie Cold Mountain, that's what we are. That's okay. the way it was. Uh, oral, there is a lot of oral tradition involved in this. Um, primarily the use of the building, our building, a sanctuary as a federal hospital, military hospital, and um, the floor below a stable. I know of no written records of that, but it certainly is a common tradition uh, as far as our history is concerned. And strangely enough, we seem to have no records available to us for that time period. Uh, I really question myself as to whether there was much of a church itself mm. uh, during that same period. But for some details on this, let me plug a book that I think people would enjoy reading. The title is With Blood and Fire by uh, Dr. Michael Bradley, who's one of our his historic historians and historic teachers uh, in this area. And uh, as most things, Todd, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me ask you about, uh, about the church. Some say that the church is noted for its music program. How does the sanctuary play into that? Well, I, I suppose, uh, Todd, we could start with the pipe organ, which was installed in 1917 and is still played every Sunday. Um, the, um, 
fact that a lot of people may not know is that the or pipe organ in the Methodist Church is an identical twin to the one that we have. Um, no longer the same because a lot of modifications have been done. But as you know, those instruments are built in place mm. uh, within their place. Now the the acoustical matchup between the instrument and the building, I must say, is probably unintentional, but fortunate. Mm. Um, the um, uh, building was built long before 1917, therefore, you know, it just was a lucky stroke that we got it uh, to go together as well as it does. And now, uh, that pipe organ's played with a uh, piano, the grand piano, and uh, by the way, I have to mention this, it's always involved some professional musicians. That was true long ago, and it's, to my way of thinking, it's still true today. Lenore Pig is a name that you hear often, mm -hmm. um, longtime organist at the church, Haviland Garish, choir director from many years ago, and now Martha Jo McCullough uh, as choir director, and Cindy Howell as uh, organist and accompanist, just as good as ever. Hmm. Uh, Todd, I'll just say one thing about that. It's reason enough to be there on Sunday morning. <laughs> just to hear it. That's true. <laughs> okay, well, let's move outside the building then. Um, and the first thing you see when you step outside the building <coughs> is uh, the cemetery. So can you tell us anything about the cemetery? Perhaps maybe something about famous people resting there? Well, I, there are some. Um, the one that most people mention is John Bright, the mm -hmm. only congressman, United States congressman, ever to come from Lincoln County. And incidentally, he is uh, buried there with all three of his wives at his side. Most people like to uh, take note of that, and that uh, marker is easy to see because it's right next to the street on the way to the south. Um, a couple of uh, other people I'll mention, uh, a William Smith, who um, fought at the Battle of New Orleans, the Fultons. Um, one uh, died of wounds received at Chickamauga and one in front of Petersburg during the war between the states. I'm a, Todd, I'm a kind of a pragmatic person. I'm very interested in numbers. So uh, let me mention one. Uh, this is just from uh, some records uh, that we have. Um, and by the way, the... Uh, records expert on the cemetery is Fran Young. She also has a book on that subject, also available on Amazon. Okay. Uh, if you count the number of marked graves in the cemetery now, this isn't the grand total, this is the marked total of marked graves, there are 255, and 45 of those are children under the age of 10. Mm. Uh, there's quite a story uh, about the cemetery, and it relates to our original newspaper, The Fayetteville Observer. Uh, I won't read that this morning, but um, if anyone's interested in the book, which will be available later, there's a very interesting story about a running editorial battle that the newspaper had with, um, I suppose, with the church and with the city and community as well, which went on for 50 years. <laughs> And it's um, some of the comments uh, that the newspaper had to make about it, I think, are pretty enlightening. Uh, there are some uh, Confederate martyrs uh, buried in the cemetery. That story is a pretty well-known one um, that um, 
is covered very nicely in Dr. Bradley's book. Um, one last one that I'll mention, because I think there's more to come on this, is John Todd, who is uh, buried there in what we call the burying ground and was a Revolutionary War veteran, which uh, goes back a long ways. I think there's, um, there's more to come on that subject, and you might want to deal with a little bit of that this morning. That might be a good opportunity to invite Colin into the conversation. Colin, now that we've mentioned the cemetery, let's talk about the role that you and the organization you represent will play in our Memorial Day weekend worship and celebration. Uh, first of all, um, the initials S-A-R, um, most folks may not know what that is, so maybe you could start by telling us what the S-A-R is. S-A-R is uh, Sons of the American Revolution. Uh, it is a premier uh, male lineal society uh, consisting of, uh, uh, in Tennessee, each, each state has its own society. We have about a thousand members. Um, it is basically consists of uh, uh, males who are descendants of uh, uh, patriots that either fought for or contributed to uh, our fight for independence uh, from Great Britain. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. How did you get involved in the SAR? I've always been a bit of a history buff and uh, got interested uh, about four or five years ago uh, when my dad was fixing to turn 80. My dad's Dr. Paul Wakefield, as many of you know. Uh, and for his 80th birthday, I wanted to try to do something special for him. Uh, the family did, and we were able to present him with a membership in the SAR at that time, and I just sort of tagged along. Okay. <laughs> I presume that's not something you get on Amazon. <laughs> no, it's it's not. It's not. <laughs> takes a little bit of work takes, and digging. It takes a, takes a little bit of work and, and, and digging. Um, the application process can be uh, rather lengthy. You, 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 you basically have to uh, connect the dots, as it were, from, let's say, yourself you know, back in time to a patriot ancestor. Uh, it's, it's gotten easier over the last few years with the advent of uh, Ancestry.com. Mm -hmm. There's a tremendous amount of uh, recorded information that's out there on the Internet that's, that's free. Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, you, you may have to enlist the help of a uh, you know professional genealogist, which you know some of us have done. But uh, uh, it, it it has gotten a, a little easier uh, over time with the, the the records that are now provided. Okay, all right. Well, let me ask you this: as we talk about what's going to be going on at the church this next Sunday, one of the things that's going to be mentioned is a patriot marker. Mm -hmm. um, what is a patriot, a patriot marker? Patriot marker. Well, uh, one of the things that uh, our society is noted for is um, dedicating uh, grave sites of uh, our patriot ancestors. We have a state color guard, uh, and the marker that you talk about. What we typically do is place a, it's a it's a small granite marker. Uh, that has the SAR logo on it. It's usually placed uh, in front of the 
headstone or marker stone of a of a patriot it's flush with the ground so there's you know never any issue with groundskeepers and so on and so forth uh there used to be metal markers that were placed you can still get those but uh those tended to disappear mm-hmm. uh over time because they were typically you know made of brass or copper mm-hmm. uh, so we we've started placing the the granite markers uh uh, in in the ground, um, and uh, uh, the the ceremony itself usually will last anywhere from thirty five to forty five minutes. A lot depends on uh, the, some the long windedness of some of the people that may be <laughs> may be speaking at such events, but uh, it, it should make for a pretty good show. Okay, so this is. Uh this is part of what's going to happen next Sunday morning as a part of our worship and education events for the day. So what would it look like at a Patriot Marker dedication? What would people expect to see? And just Well, what, what you can expect to see at the John Todd's uh, dedication. Uh, we have uh, 10 members of our Tennessee Color Guard plus some from Alabama that are coming up. You'll see... Uh, Gentlemen in uh, continental uniforms. Uh, some will probably be dressed in militia uniforms. Uh, there will be flag bearers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there will be uh, some of the gentlemen may be toting uh, muskets. Uh, there'll be one gentleman with a pike, uh, which is just basically a long spear. <laughs> uh, uh, it it should be very colorful. Um, it just seemed like. Uh, a natural fit in celebration of our of our church's bicentennial uh, that I was able to get the color guard uh, to come and and dedicate uh, uh, this marker that we've already placed at, at John Todd's grave site. Uh, we're excited about it. Okay, great. Well, Colin, thank you, Tom. I think we have time for a couple of more questions. Let me ask you this: If people are interested, how can they find out more about? Uh, First Presbyterian and the historic nature surrounding it. Well, step one would be what you just covered. That is, uh, come see us next Show Sunday. Show up. <laughs> uh, I see a lot happening this coming Sunday, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's going to be. Yeah, Colin, it's historical, but it's going to be new stuff for a lot of us. And if, if people are interested in new stuff, finding out things that have been maybe been there all along, we just didn't understand it and didn't realize it, I think that's the place to be on Sunday. Uh, I will mention that um, the book that covers this history will should be out in September, which will be the actual month of the 200th anniversary of this uh, congregation. And uh, the title is Upon This Rock. Uh, It has, incidentally, multiple authors. So this was a a challenge, and this was all directed by um, uh, Martha Farah. Uh, She has uh, spent the last few years of her life um, on this project, and uh, there are several reasons for that. A lot of people involved, it's a little bit hard to massage that into one format and make it uh, all follow and make sense to people, but I think it will. And I think this um, would be a good thing to have in your possession if you have any interest at all in this. Um, 
I might wind up, Todd. How much time we got? A little bit? We got a few more minutes, about three more. Um, this is another uh, little um, quote that's uh, from the book uh, because, Todd, people will ask, well, why are you doing all this? Uh, mm -hmm. it's a lot of, it sounds like a lot of work, at least. <laughs> Uh, this is what John Steinbeck says about this sort of thing. This is from Grapes of Wrath. How will we know it's us without our past? <laughs> Short and sweet. That's true. That's good. There's, there's one more. Well, let me give you one more. Okay. Just to wind this up a little bit. Uh, there was an earlier history written in 1944, authored by one person, John Drennan, who was also a ruling elder, I think, in our congregation at the time. Uh, this is what he says. Uh, be loyal to your church. He he didn't mind issuing, as a ruling elder, didn't mind issuing a few instructions to people on how there they might should behave and even think. Be loyal to your church. Support your church with your time, talent, and money. Does this sound familiar, Todd? I think I, so. I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. uh, it's God's church. Christ died for it. For years, our historic faithful church has held high the banner of Christ. God forbid that we, the descendants of such a noble company of heroes and heroines, should ever falter or for one moment permit Christ's banner to trail in the dust. Now, that sums it up nicely. Well, just to give a recap for the schedule, which we really haven't talked about much, next Sunday at 845 uh, in the sanctuary, our early morning alternative service, Touchpoint, will take place. And immediately after that, also in the sanctuary, um, Terry Todd, who is the fifth great-grandson of John Todd, will be here uh, to deliver a brief genealogical presentation uh, in the sanctuary there. And then we will move out at 10 o'clock into the Old Town Cemetery that surrounds the church. And uh, Colin, you and the Tennessee Society of the Sons of the American Revolution and the Color Guard will lead us in dedicating the Patriot Marker at 10 uh, there at the grave site of church elder and Revolutionary War veteran John Todd. And then at 10.30 or sometime about then, we will have a brief break with lemonade and coffee. And then at 11 o'clock, we will all move back into the sanctuary for our other morning worship service, for our traditional worship service. And after that, a picnic-style covered dish lunch in the gym for the congregation and its guests uh, shortly after noon. Um, so those are all of the events that are scheduled for next Sunday in uh, part of this year's bicentennial celebration for First Presbyterian. And we invite everyone to come out and uh, join us and participate in that. And I believe, anything else you two would like to say? It's going to be an action-packed day. See you Sunday. All right. Thank you very much.